Welcome back to Bread and Butter, everybody, where we're serving up the basics for Hearthstone improvement in episode 47. As always, I am joined by my co-host Tito. Tito, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Doc. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, but we have the famous podcast host Corbett with us today. Corbett, how are you doing? I'm just happy to be here on another podcast. I mean, I don't quite know about famous, but I mean, maybe once <laughs> this episode's done, then uh, we'll see. <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll introduce you to dozens and dozens of extra folk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm into it. Uh, but no, guys, uh, I'm I'm doing pretty well today, and uh, yeah, very excited to be here. I, I was so uh, happy that you guys invited me on today. Thank you. Uh, so, first, first kind of general question, uh, Corbett, what have you been doing inside of Hearthstone recently? Yeah, uh, I've mostly just been sticking to Wild over the past week or two. I was playing a lot of standard. Um, right up until the the Jayla nerf, I think. And then this current month, man, it's been a rough one, I think, uh, with, with some of the things going on with Yogg-Saron. So um, I've kind of mostly been sticking around playing Pirate Rogue in, in Wild, which is very much not a deck that I have touched in some time, but I've been having a good time with it. So um, yeah, it actually hasn't been too bad. You know, if you just kill them before they can play Yogg, then you never have to see the Yogg-Saron. <laughs> it's so smart. But yeah, uh, rank one legend plates. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tito, how about yourself? Um, well, I've been playing standard. I actually really like the meta, unlike most people. I do hate Yogg. They need to nuke Yogg from orbit, which they did. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, outside of that, I've been having a lot of fun. I've been playing, for the most part, Paladin. Uh, Garden Hero Paladin, which has been a lot of fun playing a couple different varieties of that. I really like uh, the cool ghoul in there. It's not a standard uh, version, but it's very sticky, so it can kind of work rogue out of resources. But uh, we're also trying with the resist- resistance aura that they have in the BS report and you know, just trying to find the right thing. Uh, I have in the notes that I was in around top 3,000. I actually peaked at around 1,600, but um, as of now, I'm closer to 4,000, which is a little sad. And, but we're, we're going to keep working at it. Um, and I've been playing a little wild uh when i'm not able to focus because if i'm not focused i'll i'll drop but if i'm kind of playing it on the side and i've been trying to get the uh casino mage working i made a highlander casino mage from scratch and we're trying to tweak that a little bit and and find you know just just the fun just i want something random to happen just about every turn and 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 let you know yog take the wheel there but i've also been playing some highlander even dk which i don't know if it's a good (laughs) deck but it's a solid deck and it's fun and I'm trying to get to 500 wins with uh, Death Knight, so we're doing that. But how about yourself, Doc? What have you been up um, to? Just a lot of BGs. I played some standard. Um, haven't really played standard in a minute, like basically since a little bit before the mini set came out. Um, played Macrogue just because that was what I was playing a lot of besides Paladin and Druid. Uh, don't like where Druid's at right now, so just not touching the not touching the class. Um, yeah, BGs is fun. The BGs changes that happened, uh, last week have been incredible. It's fun to see old cards back. It's fun to see, uh, Dire Muck Tiny Finn as its own card now, uh, in Battlegrounds. Um, cause it used to just be like a token card off of some Murloc from Barons, I believe. Um, yeah. Hearthstone's still fun. Uh, Battlegrounds is great. I'm around like 5,555. So not super high, but uh, 
the the climb is slow. Just a couple of the anomalies I haven't figured out how to play uh, play with yet, but we'll get there. Yeah, that's basically everything for me inside of Hearthstone because uh, it's just been busy with moving. Um, Corbett, what have you been doing outside of Hearthstone? Oh, it's been sad out here outside of Hearthstone. I've I've been in the wars, man. I've been sick. I've, I had some surgery on my finger. I mean, like I'm holding it up to the camera. It's not like anyone can see this, but um, it's been a been a little bit of a slog. I I came off the I play like Aussie Rules football, which I don't even know if you guys would know what that is. Um, when you say football, you mean like European football, right? Like soccer? No, no, I mean. I mean something kind of it's its own sport here in Australia. It's kind of like a mix between like rugby almost okay. and kind of like soccer, but um it's a unique sport that's very popular here. So Aussie rules football. Um and yeah, it, that's a long season, very physical sport. And I came off super injured and stuff. So I've kind of just been piecing myself back together. Um a lot of hospital visits and stuff, but I'm on the way up. I'm back into running. And, um, you know, by next week, I'll be flying around, uh, you know, doing my usual things. So looking forward to that. Now, for our listeners, where is here? Oh, here. Yes. Um, well, you know, I hope you gathered by the Aussie Rules football that I am in Australia. Um, so uh, here is um, I'm near Melbourne, uh, Australia. So in the countryside, I kind of don't get too specific with it, but around that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. How about yourself, Doc? What have you been up to outside of Hearthstone? Um, so today we're recording on uh, Monday, October 23rd. Uh, my 29th birthday was yesterday. Um, Happy birthday. So last year, my 20s. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so spent the morning with Cortland, and then my brother and I and Cortland went out to brunch at a coffee shop uh, nearby that has an amazing view over the Virgin River in southern Utah. Um, and I assume if you're listening to this, you also know that I've been talking about moving for a while um, and I will be moved out of the apartment that I'm recording in in four days from the day of recording. So I've just been trying to like check off a bunch of bucket list stuff of like final things to do before like we don't have the opportunity to do them every day kind of thing. Um, So we've eaten at a couple of our favorite places. Uh, we ate again at this Jamaican place that we have here in town. It's ran by a mom and her three daughters, all immigrated over from Jamaica to America um, and got to try some oxtail for the first time. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, So if anyone, if any listener has a Jamaican place nearby, please check it out. And if you're feeling the tad bit adventurous, uh, try the oxtail. It's basically kind of like ribs, but the meat's just way more tender. It can like fall off the bone super easy. Um it's worth it. You won't, you won't regret it. Uh, Jamaican food's pretty good. Um, and then just packing stuff up and cleaning. Uh, we had interesting stuff happen with roommate situation and clean cleaning or lack thereof. But, uh, yeah, I mean that, that is what it is, but it's all figured out now. Um, and then I just spent the rest of the day with my, with my twin brother, like him and I went and had dinner at red Robin and just kind of hung out together. Cause if all things go according to plan, he's going to go uh, get his master's in Austin, Texas, starting at the end of uh, spring semester this year. So this theoretically is the last time it will be very easy to spend our birthday together, which is something we've always just kind of naturally done. Like, I think maybe there was like one birthday or I guess two when he was on his mission for his church. 
um, that we didn't spend together. So it's just it's just kind of weird, you know. And then like this was the place where like I lived with my dad for the last time before he passed away and like all that kind of stuff. So there's just like all these weird like emotions going on top of just like leaving a bunch of friends behind, all that kind of stuff. But it's it's good. Like I'm very excited to move up north and uh start my new position in my uh at my credit union. I uh, found out my commute is less than a mile. It'll be a 2-minute car ride, a 20-minute walk or a 5-minute bike ride. So very excited. I'm definitely going to get a bike after I move up there and just bike to work every day as much as I can until the snow uh stops me. But uh yeah, I mean it's not 30 minutes about my life outside of Hearthstone Tito, but I did go pretty long. Uh, what have you been doing outside Hearthstone? Uh, basically it's been a quiet week. Uh, had my grandson this Saturday, which we usually have him over for once a month. Um, outside of that, I started a new kind of position at work. I think I might've talked about that a little bit last week where, uh, I'm picking up scrum mastering a couple teams that are overseas and, and we're working on some AI projects. So that's, that's getting a little starting to ramp up and that's taken some time. Um, outside of that, you know, just normal day to day, but enough about me, doc. Why don't we get to know our guests a little bit? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great idea. So Corbett, uh, where does your name come from? Well, I mean, I was kind of enjoying listening to your stories, uh, both of you. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't have been opposed. We can do another show. I could just, uh, we can go full hour on just life. Um, no, yeah, the, the name, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, the, the name comes from, um, the, the very original creative, choice i made where my name is actually james corbett mm. so it's just my last name <laughs> basically nice. I, I i never had like a gamer tag thing you know like everyone kind of grows up with their xbox gamer tag or they pick something i never really had one that i that i stuck with and so when it got the hearthstone um i originally just had like james like that was like i just typed in my name and then i saw like kibler i think was just using mm-hmm. the name kibler brian kibler and i was like oh i could just do that like they're not going to be anyone else using corbett like i'll just stick to that and um yeah i mean keep it simple right heck yeah so this one's kind of a two-parter so how did you start playing hearthstone and what got you started in playing video games in general yeah, so it's not video games. I mean, video games have been something I've been into um, a little bit, at least, like, since I was a kid. I, I used to love the N64 so much. Like, mm-hmm. my brother and I spent so much time playing that. So much, like, Super Smash Brothers, Mario Kart. Oh, heck like, yeah. Yeah, a lot of, lot of also... Um, I still remember, like, Christmas, like, the first time we got, like, a Game Boy Advance, and we just played Pokemon Sapphire and Pokemon Ruby for hours. Like, oh, ooh, it was yep. good times, man. Uh, you and I are the same age, I, I think, like very close. So that's whatever generation you're in, like whatever Pokemon game came out when you were like seven or eight years old, that was the best one, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you always, it's always whichever one happened when you were a kid. Uh, so yeah, we love that. Um, but, uh, gaming as a whole, like I'm not really a, a gamer as much as I like enjoyed the N64 and dabbled in that stuff. Um, I'm not someone that like has like a huge Steam collection or anything. So I got into Hearthstone when a friend um, just mentioned it. Like, I'd played Yu-Gi-Oh! a little bit as a kid. And so I kind of had this interest in card games. And he mentioned it to me. Like, do you want to try it? I gave it a shot. Um, it was back in, like, 2015, 2016. I think when mm-hmm. the Grand Tournament was just out, like, that month. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and yeah, started playing it, was an arena main for a few years, and then slowly started trying to construct it, and uh, eventually that led to, you know, me streaming and, you know, devoting really like a huge part of my life to this game, which uh, it's kind of funny how, you know, things just take a turn like that. I kind of love how you were talking about like which Pokemon game was out when you were a kid where me and uh, just the guy are like, we had Atari. We had Pong yeah. <laughs> as a kid. So, <laughs> the, the... Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, oh God, the SE, I'm trying to think of like the old like SNES games and stuff like that that used to be around at, the, at that time. I don't know. That's a little bit before my era. <laughs> uh, so my, so the first Pokemon game I ever played was Pokemon Yellow. That was the first one given to me and my brother. But the first one I bought with my own money was Pokemon Emerald. Yeah. Yeah. And uh just like I really wish they would have done a remaster of that as well when they kind of touched on the other ones. But man, yeah, there's just something about that generation of Pokemon like S tier Pokemon for sure. Uh so you're a podcast host of two shows. Uh, what got you started with doing the State of Wild? Uh, well, I've been friends with like Get Me Out, um, who's like basically the the main host of the, the State of Wild. Um, been friends for a, a long time, and he'd done about like four or five things. He kind of wanted to do long form content a little bit on YouTube, just kind of like give a twenty minute a recap of what's going on in the uh well state of wild uh, as the title suggests um and then after about four or five episodes he said do you want to come join me for one of them and i was like yeah sure and then um then he said do you want to come back next week and then you know after that it becomes <laughs> do you want to come back the week after and then at some point you just stop asking because i keep turning up uh and yeah <laughs> that that was a while back now we just racked up episode one 51 so like we don't do Congrats. one every week awesome. so yeah thank you i mean speaking of like pokemon 151 it's a great number um, <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> the, so i guess we've been doing it for a bit over three years um it, it's just nice to be able to have that conversation and um you know be able to like kind of uh just, just chat like with other people who are that interested in the game and stuff and so i've kind of really enjoyed this making it a routine part of uh, of the week yeah it's been great Heck yeah. So you are the newer host on the Vicious Syndicate. Um, so what is it like filling in or stepping up into this new role after someone with the hat size of Ridiculous Hat? Like, is that a pretty large brim to fill? Yeah, I was thinking that. I mean, they're not shoes. It's a huge brim to fill. I mean, Hat is so talented. Like, Hat is incredible at what he's done. Um like he, he's the podfather of uh of Hearthstone, really. <laughs> yes. So he, he's really incredible, and um, you know, it, it's been a little tough, like eh, because he is so good, and I think that I was a little nervous at the start that, um, you know, like uh, I am I going to be comfortable in that role, and ultimately, like yeah, I, I think it's been a pretty relatively seamless transition. Um, there weren't probably a lot of people that could like fill the the role that hat had because um i'd previously had like uh a lot of experience and uh like a relationship with zach where we'd been doing the wild vs reports for a long time together um so like we'd been talking and even as back as far as like 2017 2018 like yeah. zach and i had talked about the game and stuff 
combine that with kind of um, having previous podcasting experience, having a lot of sort of interest in the the uh, you know the data data, however you say it. I don't know. I always get flack for that. Uh, the data <laughs> side of things. Um, you know, there probably weren't a lot of natural candidates, and so I think I met, might have been the first person they asked, and um, I was happy to say yes. Uh, I need to be playing more standard, I think, <laughs> while, while doing the role, but I've tried to maintain, uh, you know, um, at, at the minimum, like very surface level, uh, you know, keeping up with what's happening in standard all the time. Well, with that podcast, I always like it because you guys have. A kind of a cool role where you don't really have to talk a lot you just have to kind of steer zach back on the topic and maybe every once in a while say <laughs> oh but you could play this card right and he's like no that's stupid don't do that <laughs> yeah yeah i think um like it's zach's show right and that's like part of what you have to realize if you're gonna be the replacement host for hat is that that was one of the first things i said to hat is that look zach might quibble with that you might try and say like no it's both of our shows or something it's like no it's zach's show it's zach's product it's zach um doing the majority of the work i think um i don't think that necessarily makes the role as the co-host unimportant or anything like that 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 steering back or kind of giving commentary is probably uh you know like a fun part of the show as well um but ultimately you know it it is it is his thing and uh i'm like very comfortable uh being in that position with the show heck yeah so you play quite a few different game modes wild twist standard at a high level um how much work does it take to maintain your star star multiplier and do you have fun in all of the modes when you play them hmm. uh in terms of work i mean it's more just uh like yeah just hours played and like interest level more than anything because hearthstone's kind of nice where you don't tend to lose your mmr like it's not very harsh in how it takes away your mmr month to month um like i might only have to play i don't know like 30 to 50 games of standard each month to hit legend get a rank and then just pee on repeat so in terms of that um i don't think it takes like a ton of work necessarily uh just because the game kind of places you where you're naturally supposed like quote-unquote supposed to be um but yeah i mean like it's hard to keep up and be hyper competitive in all the modes at once like i think two out of three feels pretty realistic that's usually what i've been able to do uh, when it comes to something like this, but you know, you do get kind of stretched thin <laughs> when, um, yeah, when you are trying to do a lot. I mean, like, like BGs, for example, you, know, you were talking a ton about BGs. Like, I've completely dropped BGs basically since um, Twist has been out because it's like Twist, Wild, Standard, BGs. It's like at some point it, it just becomes way too much and yeah. you lose track of what you're even trying to do. Yeah, no, that's fair. Like, I mean, and I, that's like a good thing, right? Because there's so much to do. Mm-hmm. We do within hearthstone as a game like you can ignore one or multiple formats in the game and still feel like you have so much on your plate that you can eat right like there's just so much there no matter how you enjoy the game exactly it's such a like first world like good problem to have absolutely an abundance of choice so as you're doing these these different climbs that you do um granted you said it takes like 50 games or whatever usually probably right do you, do you find it f- the climb still fun or does it kind of feel monotonous after a while? Um, the legend climb is more. I think it's more just habit at this point. Like it doesn't even register. I, I think like the way the eleven star system works is that if you're able to maintain eleven stars, it's kind of like you'll get legend. Like you just have to play games. Like as long as you're going about even, 
um, like you'll get there pretty quick because you're getting more like way more stars for a win than for a loss. So um, the actual like climb itself is pretty chill. Like it's just like something that I sort of just tick off by bucket like a bucket list, like to do list, I guess uh, to do list uh, like once a month. But yeah, it, it's kind of like the goal changes, right? Um, your goal in Hearthstone or whatever you do is always just relative to what you've already done or what you haven't done. So like for some people, it's like hitting gold five is like a nice benchmark for others. Like hitting diamond five is awesome. Hitting legend for the first time is great. Um, and so for me, it's like legend is a sort of like another small tick that I'm very used to at this point. And it's more like if I hit top 200 in standard, that would be like an awesome, you know, an awesome feeling thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, more so than just hitting legend, but it's it's all just relative to you know what you've done before and what you, your goals yeah. are in the game. So, and we talked a little bit about this on the show. It's like, do you want to get to eleven stars? No, you want to be an eleven star player. You want to be at the place where it's cool to make it. Like I, I've hit it once, and and you know trying to get to that mountaintop again. But like I, I don't want to just do it a couple times. I want to be kind of where you are at, where it's just it's just part of the thing. I get in there and then they settle in so it's it's really interesting to hear that it's just yeah you just get there and it's there yeah i mean you don't you're probably not going to get worse at the game like like as long as you keep playing it right like you once you sort of hit a level that's comfortable like as long as you're kind of maintaining it like it's like anything right like this practice makes perfect and Mm -hmm. i mean it's like how do the top players maintain really high ranks and stuff? Cause they're really good at the game and they're really good at the game because they've played tens of thousands of games of Hearthstone. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's like anything in life. So you mentioned earlier that you stream. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, how long have you been streaming? And for our listeners who may have never tuned into your stream, what's the general vibe that they would expect? Yeah, so the the vibe is, I would say, um, sort of like good times, uh, educational. So like pretty like chilled out, jokey, but um, a lot of the time would be uh, explaining, you know, plays in, in depth or like after a particular game, I might do like a very quick like replay review or even like watch what the opponent did to see what choices they made. And so like there's a lot of, a lot of that, uh, but you know, like fun music, uh, joking around the chat. It's it's very much that kind of uh, vibe. I I hope like that's what I'm going for at least. Um, so that's a good time. But uh, I I started streaming in I believe it was uh, 2019, um, perhaps around then. I I know I got partner the month that COVID basically kicked off. <laughs> so that's kind of like okay. a fun little great benchmark for me. So I think that might've been like <laughs> March, 2022 or uh, maybe the month before that. So I think I'd been streaming for at least six months at that point. So yeah, I'd say like around mid 2019 or so. Okay. That um, is an insane, that, that is an insane, insanely quick rise to partner. How did you manage to build such an audience so fast? Yeah. I mean, I was definitely fortunate. Um, for like a few reasons like i know that a lot of people it takes them a long time to kind of do that but for me um it wasn't like i was starting from scratch i think that's kind of like the big thing that i would i i have to mention is that i wasn't going from like no connections in the community to just trying to like stream and purely make a name or 
you know, become like uh, recognized or someone that people want to tune in and watch out of nowhere. Um, like I've been involved with the CompHS Discord, um, the the main R Hearthstone Discord, the subreddits. Um, like I was a, <laughs> I was like a moderator and very involved in those communities. And so like um, I posted like a number of guides and stuff on on Reddit and people probably knew me a little bit from um seeing me in top 100 top 200 uh, on ladder um i was much more of a standard player at that time as well um more so than wild so yeah i mean like i had a lot of connections and friends in the community and so once i streamed like for a lot of people like it takes time to build up you know like three five ten viewers like that's actually like a very big hurdle just going from streaming from nothing to bringing in people but for me i started off like the first stream i did had like 20 viewers um and that's like a really nice day one uh and so it didn't take too long i I also think that being an australian actually helps for me uh to get partner because the twitch um twitch partner approval um can be dependent on region you know, like a lot of people probably don't know that, but there's a lot less competition here in Australia. Like we don't have the same kind of streaming community that you might find in Europe or uh, in America, obviously, in particular. Um, and so, you know, how you rank as a streamer in your region, I think, is an important mark. So for me, it was probably just like a combination of things. I had a nice boost of community and then, um, you know, I, I hit decent numbers in a region where they were kind of happy to approve people probably a little quicker than other regions. See, when you said Australian helped you, I thought you were going to say it's because of your accent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that maybe that does that. Maybe there's some novelty that uh, you know people always crave. So, so with being a high level player, when when you do get like those higher finishes, or you're pushing to get that higher finish, do you ever get the thought of trying to push for like like top ten and trying to get into like a masters tour? No, not really. I mean, um, obviously, like, in Wild and Twist, which is where I, I predominantly spend my time in, like, the off, uh, the like, the less, uh, you know, main formats. Um, there is no Master Tour or anything like that. So, purely talking in terms of standard. Um, not really. Like, I think that the, the Master's Tour or this competitive Hearthstone scene for a long time has been very brutal in terms of trying to break in um mm-hmm. like if you look at the the seasons of gm right like gm started i think in like 2020 or 2019 so like that was going on for a very long time the grandmasters um and there were great players that just could not break in like players like gabby um gabby had like 12 rank one legend finishes in something like 16 months and he still wasn't a grandmaster because it, it was so favored to the people that were already in and you had to kind of like really high roll and luck out um to be able to to break it into the professional esports scene so i think that right now as well they only take the top four players from each region like the truth is the players that are getting those spots are much better than me um like i think i'm a realistically like i'm a good player like i'm a great player probably relative to the population but the people that are the very best in the game are a lot better than me they spend more hours on the game than me and um ultimately that's that's why like they deserve the spots and then it's not something that i am capable of probably getting right now or something that i necessarily want to do like i'd rather goof around and 
do the stuff that I'm doing in wild and not I mean sometimes you see the people that are going for these finishes and you can just tell like they hate the game <laughs> at a certain point because you know yeah when when you're kind of trapped like that every win loss matters you have to spend so many hours like it can take away a lot of the fun and um I have done some like very light esports stuff back in like 2017 2018 they used to have they used to have like ways that you can get in if you weren't already an established player. Like if you've never competed in a Masters tour, there was like a tournament to get into one. Um, and I finished, I think like third in that and the top two got in. So I was very, very close Oof, to being able to compete yeah. in one. But I never, I never uh, was able to, you know, push on. And now the system is so competitive where it's like you need top five finishes and stuff. And like I said, I'm probably just not good enough realistically to be able to do that. You ever get to hang out with Blister Guy? No, Blister Guy and I have never met. I've actually never met anyone that I know in the Hearthstone community here in Australia. But Blister Guy's up in Sydney. It's like a solid like eight hour, nine hour drive away from me. <laughs> so yeah, uh, haven't seen Blister before. But we, we've kept in touch a little bit. Like we've messaged with each other every now and again. He's actually been very, very nice to me. Uh, big fan of Blister Guy, for sure. That's kind of shocking because he's usually not nice to everybody else. Uh, that, no, that, that's that, obviously that, we're obviously kidding we love ray he's a, he's a fantastic individual he's probably the nicest person out there even when he's he so he's yeah. he gave me um in my content creation especially starting the podcast and all that he's given me some advice along the way and and some brutal mm-hmm. advice at times but always very nice about it he's he's just he's just a great guy yeah, yeah and then even yeah. even yeah thank you sorry uh even when uh like evil ray shows up in some of his content <laughs> evil ray is still so incredibly nice just a little sarcastic yeah, not, just, so, just, not so evil yeah. ray yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so you've you're someone who's played a bunch of hearthstone and with playing a bunch of hearthstone you play a lot of different decks so if you could pick a favorite deck of all time what would that be i think i have to pick APM Mage, which is a wild deck that you guys might not be familiar with. I don't know if you are. It's like a, a Flame Waker uh, deck that you played with Sorcerer's Apprentice, and you would just play out your Flame Waker, play out your Apprentice, and then you would go burr, and you would play every card that you could, <laughs> and like, it was it was so fun. I had so much fun with that deck for a very long time, and then they, um, that Apprentice got nerfed, and uh, we haven't seen it since. And that got really good once they gave us uh, the mana biscuits there. Um, yeah, mana biscuits. Um, there was like Encanter's Flow, Spring Water, and then they water, yeah. and they printed Drekthar. Dre- Drekthar as well was great because you know it's four mana to get the Wake and the Apprentice. Like that, that was really strong as well. Yeah, that was a f- I love that. I played a lot of that deck for a while. That that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I miss it. A lot of the BGs players actually loved it. It was kind of funny. The um, like I remember Harper. Uh, Harper Bear or uh, Lee. Um, there's a lot of them that liked that kind of APM style from BGs, actually, like, gave it a shot, even though they'd never really played WoW before. And um, it was so weird seeing, like, a lot of these really high MMR BG players in, like, top 30 wild leaderboards. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, as someone who plays a lot of wild, um, what is one thing that you wish you could tell the dev team today that they could implement in the next patch? Oh, it's so hard. Like, I I think... I think this is such a tricky question. Like, wild balancing is so complicated and layered. Um, 
they they just did a patch right like there, there was a big like wild patch that we got um when we got the uh which one was it was it when we did auctioneer and stuff i, I can't remember but it was last month um and the meta turned out to be really bad <laughs> like they did this patch that everyone was asking for and then you know the patch was bad um because in my opinion you kind of have to go like all the way with wild like you either kind of leave it alone and let it be silly or you you do it quote-unquote properly like you you really go for it so like there would be like at least another like seven or eight cards that i think you should probably go in and hit um and even then it's like is that even enough is that does that really get the job done? Like, is everyone going to be satisfied? And the answer is no. Um, and that's what makes it tricky is that it's, it's such a, there's always like one more broken thing hidden behind the next thing. So it's like, you either have to do like a lot all at once, or maybe you should just let it sit. And so, yeah, I think it's a very tricky problem. I have a lot of empathy for the devs when they hear complaints um, and people start raging at them for like, oh, it's so obvious. Just do this. And it's like, no, it's actually not, obvious it's actually really tricky yeah right well speaking of balance uh we had a balance (laughs) change in uh or we have one announced that's coming on thursday so in a couple days so hopefully you'll hear this before then Uh, they are hitting some cards we're not going to go through the whole thing but they are hitting yog they are hitting um prison breaker and they are returning they're returning the jailer he now only um immunes himself and they're bringing back Tony, they're making it so you get a copy of your opponent's deck versus um, swapping decks, and it's a battle cry. So, I mean, it's, it's a different kind. Most A couple of these, they got the uh, Warzone Commander treatment. Uh, what are, you, what yeah. are your thoughts on these changes, and um, you think uh, how do you think the meta is going to shift around that, uh, Corbin? Why don't you start? Yeah, um, it's a really harsh nerf uh, in general to the Druid class. Like, Druid wasn't... Like, Ramp Druid did not exist in Standard before the mini set, really. Um, and, it, and it kind of exists now, and it's so dominant now off the back of two cards, like Yogg and Prison Breaker. Well, those cards are getting nerfed, but there are still, like, lots of things that are being hit to target Druid on top of that. So I, I am kind of nervous that this patch could... Um, be sort of like the the one they did with warrior in voyage when they 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 went after control warrior with like four or five cards and then warrior was garbage for like another six months or longer yep um so i i do have a little bit of concern about that um i get it like they they can't do this patch and then accidentally leave druid as like the best deck again because man that would reflect real bad if that happened again Mm -hmm. um so like i get it but, you know, at the same time, I am a little bit nervous long-term. Um, the reworks are brutal. Uh, I'm happy that they went super harsh on Yogg like this. Like, I hated Yogg. Mm-hmm. Yogg is one of the cards that I despise the most in recent history. So, like, I'm happy that they really went after it. Um, but, man, like, the Jailer is kind of, like, deleted. Tony's deleted. Like, this is some harsh stuff that you typically don't see in modern Hearthstone. Usually they're very, very gentle with nerfs and they want to maintain playability. Not not this time. <laughs> yeah. Not this time. Yeah. And I, I kind of, I I was hoping that they would make a different change. I'm happy he's nerfed. I, I was, t- it, there's nothing like having a good board state and having a, a deck do something that it really shouldn't be able to do. 
like with the board clear and stuff. But I was kind of hoping they would kind of lean a little more into the Yogg where um, instead of taking a control of an enemy minion, take a control of a random enemy minion. Instead of enemy minions attack each other, just do hysteria. All minions attack each other. And then you would have it would have been, I think, less oppressive. You could still had it be the, the cornerstone there of the mini set, but I think it would have been. But I'm I'm happy they nerfed it because it just it just was it took the fun out of the game. And I like I don't hate like I said, I don't hate this meta as much as everyone else, but it definitely had an impact where it's so hard to not get tilted when three games in a row, you know, Yogg just wins it or or whatever. You have to play Yogg and you have to plan out who's going to Yogg the Yogg and then follow up with the Yogg. And again, it makes it so it's hard to play Titans and it, it's it, it, it took away yeah. a lot of things. But I, I, I like the changes. And actually, I kind of don't want to see Drew go away, although they have plenty of cards that are still good that we're not even seeing. Like, you have that one card that used to be very significant. It was, what is it? Uh, draw th- three cards, and then you get a minion, a taunt minion that's equal to the size of your hand. We're not even playing that. And that was always, like, a dominant card for a while. So uh, I, I like it because, I've been, like I said, I've been playing Paladin. I match up pretty well against the Druids. So I, I didn't see enough Druids. I was kind of sad as I was playing. But... <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the nerfs are good. I think Prison Breaker nerf, as much as I, I've enjoyed playing that card in some other decks, I think that's that was a good nerf. Uh, but where the meta goes, that's what, that's what's going to be interesting. My first thought is it's going to open up uh, room for aggro, but we say that now, and that probably just brings back some more control. So it's one of those things where how these dominoes fall, where where things are going to end up. Uh, Doc, what about your thoughts on on some of these changes? Um. Yeah, so like I said, I played a lot of BGs like just before the mini set through the entirety of the mini set. Um, and the couple games I've come back and played standard in Yogg, like I understand where people feel Yogg is a problem because he 100% was. It was just so powerful and could go into anything. Um, And I like the changes that they did. It just sad that they have to essentially fundamentally change a couple cards. Um, but like all in all, like people for a long time were doing broken stuff with jailer doing broken, destroy your deck, give you back an empty deck stuff with Tony. Like there was a lot of shenanigans happening. Um, and I'm excited that the meta hopefully has a little bit less available, neutral board clear with prison breaker being nerfed a bit. Uh, cause I'm an aggro and mid range player at heart. So like slow it down and get rid of the clear just enough to give my play styles a fighting chance. And I'm happy. Um, that being said, who knows what's going to happen when the next expansion comes out in two and a half weeks. Like there's going to be, this is going to be maybe a little weird growing pain patch. Right. But then in two and a half weeks, we're going to get a bunch of brand new cards. We'll have a six set meta again, and there's just going to be a bunch of crazy stuff happening once we have all these cards together. To answer your question, Zach. Zach is, is going to know who, how the meta is going to shift. <laughs> I'll send him a DM. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like it. Um, yeah, just I'm glad that they're not afraid to make these kind of big changes. Granted, it did take them a while to figure out how to change these cards. But they're taking way more risks now than they ever have before. Like we used to only get a balance patch, a set, right? Like a couple of years ago. 
And now we just have so much change all the time, which is a great thing. And I feel like when there's like the missed windows for a balance patch, it makes us feel like it's been forever when it's just all recency bias because we've literally gone three to six months without a balance patch before. Um, but yeah, no devs know what they're doing. Um, it is sad. A couple cards are essentially just deleted out of the client, uh, for most people, but, uh, that's just, that's just the way the deck draws, you know, I had one game against Druid where it was turn four and I had a really good start. I had a, uh, a, I stuck a light, like the light dude and, um, that buffs the next guy. I, oh, I can't even think of his name. Um, but you, uh, you play Katori? Katori Lightblade? I had Katori. And I had a really good board on turn four, pressure and super aggro, going to win against the Druid. Turn four, they somehow double nourished and played like 17 cards and then stole my dude. <laughs> and, it, or, or did something. It was just, are you kidding me? Like, which is fine. Like, it, granted, I lost, so I was salty, but like, it just seemed like so much. I'm just happy they're making the change. Speaking of changes. Yeah. We've talked about the new expansion a little bit last week. We've gotten more cards. Uh, so what's your favorite card so far that they've released? We're still early in the, the cycle, but so far, what, what's been your favorite? Ooh. Uh, in terms of power, probably the uh, the coin maker. The, I forgot its name. The uh, I need to like boot up because I'm so bad. It usually takes me like a month at least to figure out the new names of the cards. Um, <laughs> but it's like a the two mana two three. If you have a two mana card in your hand, get a coin. Uh, I think that could be quite good. How about yourself, Doc? Yeah. Um, Kingpin Pud. Uh, I think it's fun having all those different ogres and just getting, getting a gang again, like feels a little bit like mean streets kind of having a gang back in Hearthstone. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's a fun card. Like you can, there's definitely a lot of like summoning value that you can get off of him. If you're able to play all a bunch of different, uh, gang members before you play pud. But, uh, yeah, I just think that's gonna, I think that's going to be a fun card. I don't know how great it's actually going to be, but, um, yeah, I'm just excited to get my hands on that one. And I'm yourself, Tito. I'm looking forward to, uh, to Sheriff Barrel Brim, the ridiculous yep. hat looking card. Ridiculous hat. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think it's going to be fun until it's not. I think I'm gonna. I think we're all gonna enjoy it for like it's a better Mayev. Uh, we're gonna enjoy having it because what that does is it gives you a location that makes a minion go dormant for three turns, and it has three durability. So or three whatever um t- charges so you could essentially keep something in stasis for pretty much the entire game if there's something you don't want going to your face but i can i can see a couple things here i can just see it just be, i can see it almost being oppressive but i can also see it being not even played it's one of those cards where you're not going to know until you get it into the meta and i can also see me playing it many times because there's a condition that says you have to have 20 or less health and I'm going to forget, we're going to forget, you're going to slam it down and be like, where's the shit? <laughs> and I now, I, now I have to bleep that at the 44 mark. I mean, if it if it does become powerful enough, like there is, there's what, one neutral location destruction card? I don't yeah, remember what it's the, called. I just know there's like one. I think it's a three mana. I, I don't know. I kind of, we saw it a while back in, Standard. So, I think people people were playing that when there was like construct quarter, right? Construct they they, quarter weren't, was though, they weren't even maybe, maybe oh 
like nobody was playing it even when it like we tried to play it like you'd say hey we should play that and no one's like no don't play it it's it's not worth tempo it's not worth the crappy card i think they added tradable to it so i thought that was then going to be playable but we never see it and i mean locations are still relevant uh in, in some decks so um i'm surprised it's never actually been even like kind of meta but no it just it's like goblin blast major not blast mages it's something along those lines <laughs> Just throw it into ETC and you're fine. So you don't have to use it if you don't need to. Yeah. All right. Um, so what are your thoughts? So we've, we haven't had too many cards released today yet, uh, but we did have a look at some of the priest cards today, and I thought those were kind of worth talking about. So, uh, Corb, what are your initial thoughts on the priest cards? Yeah, I only was able to kind of take a glance at these like an hour ago. Um, so it's always strange because the cards always come out when I'm sleeping because the time zones and I miss the initial like hype and talk and then I have to come back and just like scroll up and it's a disaster. But um, no, the, the price cards seem... Uh, the bottle cards seem generally, I think, a little weaker. The, you know, all these cards that have save any excess something in a bottle... Uh, I don't think I love those, but I do like that that thirsty drifter could be could be quite strong. I typically like if a big minion says that it can potentially cost zero mana. That's usually a sign of a of a potentially good Hearthstone card. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I honestly really love the art of that card as well. Um, I think like aesthetically this set like all of the artists like have done such a fantastic job mm-hmm. and just based off of the art of card i really like that they've released is uh the three mana two four benevolent banker it just i don't know it's just a it's just cool seeing a worgen dressed up in a business suit like handling finances like that's not like what a worgen usually what you think a worgen would be doing right like i don't know i just think it's a fun looking card yeah, I, I love it when Hearthstone gets like goofy with the um you know the theme and the flavor and like like it's fine. Like sometimes we can get something very, very serious, like for Frozen Throne or something, but you know, where there's like a Harry Pottery type vibe in Scholomance or or you know, we're getting the Wild West stuff, or maybe one day we get something that feels very like Pirates of the Caribbean almost like you know, I, I like it when we get into oh, that kind of that situation. I'm scared of a couple of these cards. Not that I think they're going to be overly good, but I think they're going to be tilting. Like, Tram Heist is a four mana. Get a copy of each card in your opponent played last turn. I mean, that's basically what, uh, not, uh, not shenanigans. It was, um, there was, there was a rogue secret that did kind of the Plagiarize, same. Plagiarize? Plagiarize. Plagiarize. But, yeah. But it just seems, I feel, I think it's going to feel so much worse from, from Priest because that's when Priest starts playing your own cards against you and then, I don't know. It's it, I always, especially when a control priest, man, it's it's just it's, <laughs> it is what it it's is. It's my least favorite class for a reason. <laughs> and hey, and, don't worry, we're on the same we're on the same page right here. You and I are linked uh, on the control priest. <laughs> hey, don't worry about that. It's just when they drop that behemoth down, and then they drop that second behemoth down, and then the third one, and you're like, come on. But yeah, just stealing. So they have. Um, <laughs> Summon a 4-4 copy of a random minion in your opponent's hand. That's posse, possession. Uh, The Benevolent Banker is discover a spell from your deck, quick draw, enemy deck instead. And that's not a copy of. That's that's taking taking one of your cards. 
So I, I, I just feel like these cards are going Thief to be... Priest confirmed. Yep. They're just going to kind of drive you a little nuts. But, you know, it'll be fun, and um, I'm sure Wicked will be happy. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was a lot. We're, we're already almost an hour here, but um, I think I have time for a nice, big, yummy dinner. What do you think, Doc? Yeah, that sounds good to me, my man. <laughs> so... We've been lucky to have some high-level players on here. We had Ron Mexico recently, and, and now we have and we had Ant. Now we have Corb. Uh, do you like Corb, by the way? Because I know Zach calls you Corb, but like, is that kind of like your preferred nickname? Or some people get nicknames they don't really like. Nah, Corb is totally fine. Uh, I'm good with Corb. All right. So I thought we'd talk really kind of focus on being a high-level player because since you do it in many different um, modes, so. How long was it when you started playing Hearthstone before you made Legend? And then how long after that did you kind of make the jump to being a high-level player, high-legend player? Yeah, so I, I think I started playing again, I think it was the month before TGT. So that would have been like a July. Uh, the expansion would have come out in August. And I think I hit Legend around, I want to say, November or October. So maybe... Maybe like four, four to five months, I, I think. About four months of playing, I hit Legend. Um, I still have these like very, like, uh, very like stuck out in my memory uh, games where I was playing Secret Paladin at like rank three. Like, because that, that was the first real tryhard deck that I was playing on Secret Pally. But yeah, so I think about four months or so. Um, by the time I kind of hit High Legend, um, I mean, Gadgetsan? Uh, I, I remember hitting Gadgetsan with Agro Shaman and queuing the dog, um, just randomly. Like, I'd only hit Legend a few times at that point, because I had been, like, an arena main. But, um, I went back to Constructed, and once I was at, like, top 10 Legend queuing a dog, that was kind of my, like, oh, you know, you might have to bleep this, but that was my <laughs> moment. Um, <laughs> once that happened... <laughs> Very nice. Um, so what sort of things did you find yourself doing or changing that took you kind of from a legend player to actually playing people like Dog? Uh, how did you, what were the things you were doing that would improve your gameplay? Mm, I think, um, I mean, it's so like, it, like the, the bad generic thing is like play better, right? <laughs> like make better decisions. But it's like, what does that actually mean? Um, I, I think that, mulligan is a huge thing like i think that it's very easy for um you know like solid players like uh, to get a little trapped in like their mulligan where they're probably like this card's fine this is a curve i guess i'll keep it whereas i think like what you should generally be doing is look for your best stuff very aggressively um so i think like becoming more used to that was a great thing to do i think like just in terms of getting better it's like talking out plays with people um, again, I mentioned at the very like, top of the show that I used to be very involved in the Combat Jest Discord, and there used to be uh, a channel there that I loved, which was called What's the Play? And it was basically someone would just take a screenshot, they didn't know what the play was, and they would post it, and then people would discuss, like, what's the play? What do you do here? And being able to like, talk about that and see other people's reasoning for like why you would make a certain decision, um, I think that was a, a really big part of it, right? So. Even even recognizing that you have a decision in Hearthstone. Hearthstone can feel so autopilot sometimes that even just ticking off, turning off that autopilot part of your brain and just thinking, 
wait, why am I doing this? Like, is there actually something better is, um, you know, a big part of uh, what helps, I think. I actually had World 8 in my uh, stream the other night and he was watching me play Paladin and give me some thoughts. And one of the things he was saying is that I was not being aggressive enough with fork health loss. It's like, play it on two. You have a divine shield minion, drop it in there. Let him deal with it. And it's so easy to think, well, fork health loss, save it for when I need to clear a minion or when maybe with a combination with the weapon. That's for those that don't know that card off the top of their head. It gives your minion plus three, give your uh, hero plus two. And yeah, doing that, all of a sudden it helps you snowball. See last episode. Um, in order to, if your your opponent can't play cards if they're dead. So play your cards that you have in your hand to your maximum advantage. And it's sometimes you just, like you're saying, sometimes you get stuck in autopilot and I wasn't even thinking about playing that on two because it just seemed like a, a card that you don't play on two. I want to play maybe hero power, get another minion out there and all that. So I feel that. And that's kind of the things that I'm trying to learn is just to make those better decisions on, well, what should I be doing here? And not just be on autopilot. And that's part of the, the whole reason I started streaming was to try to talk to people. So I'm talking to myself. So I'm talking these plays out and actually figure it out. So, um, yeah, I, I like that. So, what are, besides besides playing cards and mulligans? Yeah, what are some other? We kind of going into the next question. Um, what are some other mistakes that you see people making um, when they're trying to push themselves to go up ranks um, that they might be able to get away with in lower ranks? Uh, I think it, it's like probably two things. Uh, one, they don't go face enough. <laughs> like I think that's or or they don't develop tempo enough. You're not playing aggressively enough. Um, I think that, like you said, you know, you wanted to maybe hit the hero power on turn two uh, instead of just, you know, playing the, the buff and just, like, going face and putting on more pressure. Like, uh, I think it's a thing where, you know, bad player, Like, the, the, the old thing about Hearthstone, like, the classic line is that, like, you know, bad players uh, never trade. Good players always trade. And great players never trade. Like, it just loops its way back around. <laughs> and um, you kind of try and put on pressure wherever you can. So I think that that's something that definitely... If you can look for chances to put on pressure and put your opponent in an uncomfortable position, like, why make the trade? You know, go face. Um, you know, depending on the deck that you're playing. But even the slower decks, it can sometimes be a really good tip. Um, so that's definitely one. And the other, I, I think, is, like, predicting plays from the opponent. Like, sometimes, you know, it's like layered. It's like... First, you just make kind of random choices and then you kind of figure out what is the best choice for you to make. And then the lay after that is figuring out what's the best choice for the opponent to make. What's their best play? And then what does my play look like into their best play? And um, it's why a lot of decks like Pirate Warrior or Paladin sometimes fall off at very top ranks because they're more predictable plays uh, and, and higher level players are just a lot better at exploiting what the opponent can potentially do uh, as they just set up into their opponent's turns. So um, I think I think those are the, probably the big things, yeah. And I think I, I've, I've kind of taken that sometimes in the opposite direction, where is I will maybe hesitate, like we were saying, with the, 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 to say with the example is, let's say I'm playing a Death Knight, I will say, well, I could play Hell Philosophy here, but all they're going to do is equip the Staff of the Primus Hero Power and clear that, and then I lost my tempo, but it's still the right play, even if you know that maybe they're going to clear it, then you just got to follow it up with the next threat. But I think that knowing 
hey, this is this is just going to get cleared if I do this. Well, you're taking up their resources they have to use to clear it, and then you, they won't have them for later or something like that. So getting in that mindset is challenging. But um, yeah, I I, th- I think I think the thing that the absolute best players do, they're the ones that are able to say. Like, once you keep layering up and you start thinking about what the opponent can do and stuff, once you're able to get to the point where you say, all right, show me that you have it. Like, like, like you know, th- maybe they don't have it. Like, do a thing that you think is the best chance of winning, and it's like, maybe it gets answered by this one thing, but it's like, they don't have it. They don't have it. Just do your thing. Um, and I think that's, uh, you know, having the confidence to do that and not worried about if you get punished. Uh, that's like when you start getting really high level, I would say. And sometimes you got to remember they don't they have multiple things because I I've I've been try I try to do that too I say make them ha- I always try to make them have or not always but I always try to be in the mindset of make them have it but then I'll be like oh they don't have the clean the scene and then I'm like oh they have the cannibalize um, <laughs> <laughs> so given that you you tend to play up in these top ranks you say you get to play people like dog and all that is there um. Is there anybody whose number you feel like you always have or that someone that you feel like always beats you? I'm always interested in that. Like, ah, oh, I always, Kibler always beats me or, or, or dog or whatever it might be. Or I always, I like, you like bunny hopper. I, I own him. Is there anybody like that either way on either side? Oh, I definitely would say or someone like bunny hopper. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I definitely know that I've had that feeling about people before. When I, because I remember, I remember feeling like, oh my god, I can never beat this person. But this was like years ago. At this point, um, I don't think so. Like, I think it all kind of just evens out, man. Like, if you play enough games, like the good times come in, the bad times roll out. Like, you'll get lucky, they'll get lucky. Uh, you know, over a big enough sample size, so nothing really comes to mind too much. Uh, when I think about that, um. You know, especially in Wild, where I do see a lot of the same faces over and over and over again. Uh, not too much. Who uh, did you win that first dog matchup? I believe so. I believe. <laughs> I believe I did. Because <laughs> I was going to ask, like, who, is, who is the person you beat the first time that you were like, "Oh, I can't believe it!" And like, you know, post and I beat this, so it must have been dog. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that probably was dog. Um, I'm sure, like we're talking about years ago, right? It's like 2017 or something. So I'm sure there was times where I couldn't someone like Trump or something. I I seem to remember that where I was very excited. But um, yeah, it was probably it was probably seeing dog. Like that's one of my earliest like competitive Hearthstone memories that I have for sure. But do you think there's given that you see a lot of the same names? Do you think that there's an advantage or a disadvantage? Like you see. Ron Mexico and you're like, oh, I know he's got your hunter. I know kind of the style he plays. I watch him or whatever. Is there kind of, or are you see him all the time? So you kind of know their moves. Do you find that it's an advantage or do you find a disadvantage because they know you or maybe just, it just kind of comes out in the wash. Um, I think for me, I would prefer to see someone a lot because, um, like, realistically, uh, I'm putting more information out there into the world than they are. Like, I'm a streamer. I post stuff on Twitter. Like, what I'm playing, they might, they have, a, like, a probably have a, they probably have a high chance of seeing what I'm using, what my exact list is, right? So, uh, for me, there's always sort of a, an imbalance of information there, whereas, like, if I queue into someone random, I, I don't know them, I've never played them, I don't know what they're playing, and, it, you know, it's always easier to play with an open deck list format, I, I think when you know what your opponent has or could have or the, what their exact 30 is. Um, 
So I, I definitely like it when I'm able to queue into the same faces and the same decks because it takes away some of that sort of imbalance of information. And um, yeah, I, I do think as well that open deck list rewards uh, rewards decision-making more. I mean, there's a reason tournaments have played like open deck lists. And I used to play in THL in some closed deck list formats and I really didn't like it very much. Um, I know a lot of people like love that, but it was never my jam. And I've always preferred like open deck list uh to know what to play around and you know what what i should be doing in these games for sure do you feel like you play better or worse when you're on stream versus off stream because on stream you're you're talking about it you're going through your plays you might even be more focused than you were or you might even be less focused i don't know how, how does that feel for you so much worse like so much worse on stream i i think that has <laughs> to be true for everyone um i mean i suppose if you're streaming and you're like laser focused, like not communicating with chat or anything, like you're just there to show yourself and not actually interact, then I guess at that point it doesn't matter. But um, humans suck at multitasking. Like people people say they're good at multitasking. People suck at multitasking. Like we, we can't do it. It's hard to engage like that part of your brain in two different ways at one time. Like you have the autopilot part of your brain that just like breathes and talks and whatever and goes through your day and then you have to engage your brain. And Hearthstone, you need to engage your brain. Like you need to be thinking and it's hard to do that while trying to be entertaining and talk and do music requests and, you know, be fun for people to hang out with. Um so absolutely like so much worse on stream. It's why Sometimes streamers get a little too paranoid about the whole like sniping thing. It's like, oh, this is my win rate on stream. This is my win rate off stream. It's I must be getting sniped. And it's like, okay, that might be a tiny bit true, but you're probably just playing worse because like you're you're distracted and you're you're having a good time and you're you're not laser focused like you would be uh off stream for sure. So I, I think it's a very clear answer for me. I I have to assume it's very clear for most people, even if they might, you know, think differently. I guess I think sniped for the first time uh, last week and I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. Someone actually looked me up and and came watch me like I don't want to happen all the time. But, you know, hey, maybe I've made it. Um, So you play a bunch of different modes. You play. I don't know if you ever play duels, but I know you play wild and standard and twist. And do you feel like each mode is brings a different skill set like each player would like? Because standard is very focused on, on a small subset of cards. Wild has a lot of cards. Twist is sh- shorter time to refine decks in theory. Do you think that there's a different skill set or is it pretty much all the same? I think it is slightly different. Like I think broadly um, good Hearthstone players are good Hearthstone players. And, you know, the most successful standard players have come over to Wild and done well. The most successful Wild players have typically done very well in standard as well. So you see the same kind of names so that means that i think that the skills have to be very transferable um but at the same time like i do think there are subtle differences i think there are small differences for sure like i think wild is um typically has more uh tolerance for the solitaire style decks they're they're more likely to exist those uh kind of single player decks um and so if you're playing those you do kind of develop a different skill set when it comes uh you know being very focused on your own game plan or being able to play lots of cards in one turn um kind of looking more often for the extreme 
potential power spikes? Like, what is the best high roll I could go for here? And I, I think that Wild definitely can help reward that behavior a little bit more than Standard, whereas Standard can be... Um, there's a lot more, like, playing around random cards in Standard. Like, there's very little random card generation in Wild, but there's quite a lot of it in Standard, relatively. Um, and so that is a different skill set entirely as well, you know, um, being able to play around randomly generated stuff. So I do think there are small differences for sure. Um, but good, good Hearthstone players are good Hearthstone players <laughs> like, for the most part. Now, um, no, this is not on this. Do you, this is not on the list I gave you, but do you make your own decks or do you pretty much just pilot or a little bit of both? Uh, both, you know, both. Um, like, uh, I think people it's trying to take credit for a deck is sort of like misguided when it comes to Hearthstone. Like deck building and refinement is very much like a team activity, except the team is like 10 million people. Like we all, we all see something that we like and we, we say, Oh, I should try that. Or we have like lots of, um, you know, previously built upon ideas about like what cards work well together. There's always so much information out there that, and, you know, someone else might have tried that perfect 30 that you got to before you did. They just might not have posted it anywhere. So, like, uh, I will very often, like, look at a list and change a couple things that I like. But, you know, like, everyone's done stuff before. Like, people come up with decks before they even get into the game. The devs come up with the decks before we even see them. Um, you know, like, they try out all these cards as well. So... Yeah, I don't know. I, the whole, like, deck ownership idea, I always, like, reject that pretty much. Like, worried about, oh, not getting credit for this and that. Like, it's fine. Like, if if you take a list that you see me playing on stream, you don't have to, like, credit me or anything. Because I'm building upon, you know, things that everyone else has been trying. Um, and I think in Wild, even more so, that's a bigger thing as well. Uh, just because, like, a lot of the archetypes have been around for a very long time. Like, they're... It, Odd Paladin, for example, has been around since 2017 or 2018. So it's like not like you invented the idea of putting Baku in Paladin. Like other people have done that. So yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, what's and this is what, what kind of wanted to ask this. Um, what's a deck list that you really fell in love with that just didn't get there, but you stuck with it way longer than you should have because you just wanted it to happen. Oh man. Um... I think I tried to make this old Mildred work so, so much. It, it was kind of like, um, uh, it, it was like this old, it's like what people you played with Tony Druid, like recently that actually ended up getting Tony banned in, in wild. I was playing like a version of that with auctioneer, except I was playing with Togwaggle and you used to have way less mana cheating. You, there used to be like way less stuff that you could do. Uh, in terms of being able to cycle to the deck and kill the opponent, but I stuck with that deck so much, and man, it it was bad. It was real bad. <laughs> but it was kind of like the deck I would play on stream when I got really tilted, and I just like didn't care about my rank anymore, and it was just like, ah, screw it. Alright, it's Mildred time, and I would play that deck uh, a lot, but I never won games with it. <laughs> fair. I, I, I tried to make Obelisk, Drew, uh, Obelisk uh, Mage work for a long time, I believe. That was a lot of fun. And, and you could occasionally get there, but it was bad. It was very, very bad. But it was fun when you, you knocked I it off. I admire the bravery. That is incredibly brave on your part, <laughs> the Obelisk Mage. The one deck, and uh, sorry, this is a little bit of a side, uh, one deck that I actually made work for a while and was playing around 50% for a long time was the Sunkeeper Raw Rogue that... Um, 
uh, Marky Mark there um, was playing, and it 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 actually worked. And people never expect it because they're like they don't know what that card is. And then you it was basically you played um, a bunch. You played the uh, Scourge Illusionist or uh, the Cobalt Illusionist, and you had the weapon, the Death Rattle weapon, and you do it all in one turn, and you just had to all, assemble all the pieces, and boom, some keeper Ra. And if they actually killed it, you had the um the secret that returned it to your hands and you just played it again and what are they gonna do it was a lot of fun <laughs> so if you had one piece of advice for our listeners that are trying to get better at hearthstone whether they're going from gold to diamond or diamond to legend or legend to high legend what would be the single thing you would say focus on the most get a partner to like spectate you or spectate them um and talk about the plays in real time like I think that that is the biggest thing that you can help uh, that can help you is sort of uh, cope like co-oping basically, um, but active co-oping. You know, like not just. I think some people say think co-oping and like they just picture someone just telling them what to play almost. You know, just like do this, do this, and it's just like you know they're not actually thinking, but actively debating, thinking about plays and making decisions and try to justify it and then doing it and see what happens. I think that's the best way. Especially when it's someone that's about as good as you are, maybe slightly better than you, would be the ideal situation. Um, but, you know, where, where you can just, like, talk about the plays together. I think that's basically what I did with, like, the What's the Play channel that I talked about in CompHS. And I, I think that it's just active learning and active participation and just, like, teaches you, you know, like, what, what works, what doesn't. So that would be my best thing. You know, get a buddy. Spectate. Get better together. It'll be fun. And we always say this, but if you um, if you are a patron of Coin Conceit, um, uh, one of our favorite podcasts, is at a certain level, I believe it's ten dollars, it might be more now, but you get a one month coaching every month, and there's coachings you can get through Gamer Sensei and stuff like that. But yeah, so I I went through a few coachings where I would sit down with Ridiculous Hat or, or Wicked Good or something like that, and they'd kind of talk through plays, and like we'd win like seven and one, and then I get off and I go two and six, and it's like well. No, because because they're telling me how to play and I'm 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 learning things, but it's I I get to the point where I was like, hey, let me try to give you my thoughts and then say, hey, no, actually, why don't we think about this? And then having a dialogue about, hey, what about this play? What are our other options? And always try to pick a different line first, and maybe you go with your first line, but see what else you can do before you just something I'm horrible at is just bang 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 click and we'll go on to the next play because you you're gonna miss things. So, um, 100%. It's why, it's why I think coaching, I'm not saying it's all like all a scam, basically. Like, I think that it does help certain people more. And, you know, depending on who the coach is and what, how experienced they are, they, they could be helpful. But a lot of the quote unquote, like coaching and Hearthstone is just spectating and telling you what to do. And then it's just like, oh, yep, I got it. I learned it after one hour. And now you log off. And like you said, you don't, it's not actually like helping anything long term. But, that reinforced learning and that justifying decision like you're talking about, like even if you are making mistakes, just I, I think that that helps so much, um, you know. And even not even with Hearthstone, right? Again, like this is just how you get better with everything, I, I think, as well. Just active participation and being willing to screw up and then hopefully get better mm-hmm. at the next time you try it. I had a game last night where I played the Countess and I had my three uh, invitations. And... My second invitation was to Thanos, and I had a Garden Grace in hand. And I misplayed by playing the other invitation before I put the Garden Grace on the Thanos. I drew another uh, Lady of Thanos, 
and I did the I I put the Garden Grace on the wrong minion. I put it on the uh, I had a taunt minion that I was thinking. I'm like, why did I do that? Like I literally just had that mistake, and I made the mistake again. And it's just <laughs> you know I, I I I threw that game as they say, but it's just a guess. The more you, I'll never make that mistake again. I hope. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Corb, do you have any final thoughts um, here on this topic? I know we kind of threw a bunch of different questions at you. Uh, I, I feel like we've I feel like I've talked enough. You know, I've done the. <laughs> I I don't talk as much on like the Bitches Syndicate podcast, but I feel like I've uh, chewed your ear off here. Uh, it's, it's felt like a lot, but we, we we have guests on. We try to have guests on almost every week, and and we're not here to have you listen to us talk. And our our listeners want to hear you talk more than us because you know a lot more, and you're we, we consider you a, an expert on the subject. So they want to, they want to hear from you. So um, yeah, no, talk all you want, um, but Doc. Uh, that was a lot of information. Yes, it was. But uh, while I'm full, I think I have a little room for dessert. What do you think? Yeah, dessert sounds good. So, Corbett, uh, what is your favorite dessert? Like, if you could choose one thing that you could have for dessert, like, tonight, what would it be? Ooh. Um, let's see. Big fan of like chocolate mud cake, uh, and let's let's get some strawberries on the side of that. Big fan of that. Heck yeah, that's a good choice. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, so listeners, you listen to our show. If you have the time, please feel free to review the show. Uh, give us an honest rating. Uh, but we prefer five stars. And be honest in the comments, just because five stars helps with visibility. Because Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And all the podcatchers don't do great at uh, helping shows with their visibility. Um, and we have an email. So if you want to email and talk to the show, it is bread and butter and is in the letter hs at gmail.com. And if you email us, we'll read it out on the show. So Corbett, if people want to find you, where can they find you at? Uh, you can always find me streaming at twitch.tv slash Corbett. And you can also find me at Corbett Games on uh, Twitter slash X and on YouTube. Very nice. Tito, how about yourself? You can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Tito Santana HS. How about yourself, Doc? Yeah, so you can mostly find me on Twitter, and then sometimes you can find me on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash Doc McButt. And Doc McButt on Twitter as well. Sorry. Uh, Corbett, is there anyone you'd like to give a shout out today? Uh, yeah, you guys, uh, I just want to say thank you very much for having me on the show. I, I really enjoyed, uh, being given the platform, uh, you know, to, like you said, just talk, <laughs> talk a lot. Um, I really appreciate all the in-depth questions and I hope listeners do as well. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys very much for having me on today. I hope you all enjoyed it as well. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, first and foremost, I want to shout you out. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, it's really cool for us when we get people who we view as bigger pillars of the community than we are being willing to come out and talk with us. Um, so thank you again. It's been very fun to get to know you and get to hear your insight on higher, higher end play of the game. So thank you so much for being willing to take time out of your day and being here with us. And I was thinking yeah, about, no problem. I was thinking about this cause uh, we're talking to you and we always talk about these parasocial relationships with like these podcasts and these communities we're in. And I, I've been listening. 
we 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 are kind of like in a middle ground now, which is weird because like I feel like I listen to you once a week, or you know I know we're on a little hiatus right now, but like this is once a week. So like having a conversation with you, it's like it's not like the first time I've talked to you because I've been talking to you and I've been walking my dog or whatever. Like yeah, but this is the first time you're talking to us, so it's really kind of a, an interesting, strange dynamic. But no, thank you for being here. Uh, it, it's been fantastic. Um, but anyway, I think we're toast, guys. We'll see you later. Bye bye. Slide two brothers meet one another when they slide up to the mic. It's bread and butter with one another. Let's start up that recording light.